podcast it's me your host big mark if it's your first time listening welcome if not welcome back like i always say wherever you're watching uh please follow along with the podcast share it with your friends like it give us a good rating do all that fun stuff if you're watching on youtube please like and uh, like the video and subscribe to our channel so you know when the next video is going to come out um if you haven't ever watched on YouTube, go check it out. And, and, you know, if you're ever just hanging out, doing your thing, we're available on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. If you ever wanted to donate to the podcast, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash the big mark pod. Um, also, you can reach out to the podcast or check us out on our Instagram or our Twitter at the big mark pod or at the big mark podcast. Feel free to DM us there or let us know a topic or anything. Hit us up. And, um, Again, we want to grow the, the Big Mark podcast community, so if you tell a friend, all you have to do is tell one friend and we can double the podcast overnight. So again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for taking the time. Welcome to the show. Um, I'm, I'm excited about this t- about today's episode because I was thinking about, about doing it and prepping for it and doing all that stuff and getting really excited because A... When this is being filmed right now, so this is January 31st, 2023, happy birthday B-Rai, shout out. Um, I'm getting ready for a wicked weekend up on Lake Nipissing in Ontario. So uh, anyone who is unfamiliar with the geography of Ontario or just has never been to Nipissing, it is a, it is a fairly, well... Shout out to my family up north, but it's a fairly up north lake. I mean, it's not like as north as you can get. I'll get to you all in a minute, everybody. And Red Lake, shout out. I'll get to y'all. But it's pretty northern, at least from uh, from Hamilton, Ontario. And uh, driving up is going to be awesome on Friday. And we're going to go ice fishing. And that's going to be really cool. And I'm looking forward to talking about it. Hey, hell, who knows? I might even do a fucking whole podcast on it. I'm dipping my toes in, so to speak, uh, with with today's with today's episode. I'm really looking forward to it um, because it's a part of me. I don't know. It's an interesting aspect of my life that. So, like I said, shout out Red Lake, Ontario. Anyone who doesn't know Red Lake, Ontario, three hours north of Kenora, which is five hours north of Thunder Bay, and which is. Uh, 21 hours north of uh, Hamilton. So you could basically drive to Florida in the time it takes to drive to Red Lake, Ontario, which is where my mom grew up and where she was born. And I have family up there still. And a lot, a lot of my family spent time there. And I spent time there once, at least once a year. There's a couple of years I think we did like a winter trip too. But every year I went to, I went to this little town in, in Northwest Ontario um, it's like, I think like 3000 people there now. Um, and yeah, my family's up there. Shout out everybody, Ingrid, Eric, Antoniola, Uncle Rod, the whole crew, Trev, Oscar, Paige, everybody. How's everyone doing? Animalia of all types. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's a pleasure of my life for sure to have been able to have that 
in my life and where I was able to go at least once a year for a couple weeks and spend some time in a fairly rural setting. And don't get me wrong, you know, we, we had lots of fun and going to the beach and swimming in the lake and just having like, you know, you know, that kind of good times. But we also had opportunities to go fishing a lot, lots and lots of fishing. I was really, really fortunate uh, for that in that basically anyone we knew up in Red Lake either had a boat or was interested in some type of fishing and, you know, went out on a lot of trips. Um, and, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you don't really know you're kind of gaining this skill until you get to use it later in life. So, unfortunately, when I was 16, um, sports was kind of completely dominating my life um, at the time. And I stopped going to Red Lake every year and it really fucking sucked and I missed it and I still haven't been back. So it's been quite a long fucking time and it's a shame. And again, shout out my boy B-Rye. We're going to make a plan. We're going to make a trip to go up there. Uh, Hopefully very soon because it's a shame that I haven't been up there and it's beautiful and there's pristine lakes and unbelievable um, like outdoor activities, which is awesome. Um, so anyway, since I stopped going up there, I really didn't, you know, use said skills that I learned and don't get me wrong. It was like two weeks and maybe me and my, maybe every once in a while, me and my pops would go fishing somewhere, but I didn't really get to get to, you know, get those skills go again until I met my buddy B-Rye, who is an avid fisherman, uh, he's going to be mentioned a lot during this episode, of course, not only because the trip's coming up, but because he's like for sure my my biggest link to uh, that kind of outdoorsy type activity in in you know in my uh, in my life at the time. So at this point, so um, I'm when when we first met, which is in university, we went and we played football together. Uh, at University of Western Ontario, go Stangs, go. Shout out Beefs, shout out everybody. Shout out O-Line, shout out O-Line Potluck, which me and B-Rai had, we were kindling, we're starting to to kindle the fire in different parts of Norway. We're adding the Kvike, which is also known as yeast in other parts of Norway. But let's not go on a tangent. We're fucking stoking the fire here on keeping this tradition going because again not to get too tan- tangential but every AFC NFC playoff uh games like every every year that that happens every Sunday me and the boys on the team used to have a the O-line potluck and you know we're getting her back going again well I hope they're still doing it at you know with the active squadron but uh, we might get some vets together. So any of you vets out there that are listening, anybody who's played together, any stangs out there that want to keep it going, I guess O-line or not, we'll let you. We'll let this one slide this time, but nah. We want to get things going, want to keep tradition alive, and, uh, you know, again, I think it's important to do that, and tangent over. <laughs> so when B-Rai and I met through all that, we started going fishing, and because we were in school for most of the year and it is fucking winter especially in london ontario uh where where it's not too far from my, my buddy b-rise hometown chatham ontario which right around there is lake st Clair, lake erie really good ice fishing spots so that's when i first started started getting into ice fishing and um 
got to finally kind of use a little bit of those skills again. But the thing was, was when I was in Red Lake, I, when I was fishing, it was obviously in the summer and we were trolling all the time. So in a moving boat with your line in the water and it's moving and then the fish comes and grabs it. So a pretty effective way of fishing because it makes your lure look really realistic. It's not just like in plops in from the sky and then just like, you know, goes around in a circle, basically, depending on, <coughs> depending on your lure. Anyway, the reason I bring these two things up is that as much as I learned one skill versus the other, sometimes they don't always cross. But that's the coolest thing about, you know, the outdoor life is that you have this whole world that is open to you to have and learn and hone and, and take part in these skills that cross, you know, it's like cross training. It's just like sports, right? The more you get into sports and there's a reason why they call it the fucking sportsman show. And it's not a bunch of like guys kicking around soccer balls and shooting hoops. It's dudes outdoor sporting, shooting, shooting animals for sport, catching fish for sport, like sport fishing. All that is this sport prefix that is attached to all these things because it has that essence of sport where every <clears throat> every little avenue you're going whether you're fishing whether you're hunting whatever you're hunting or fishing for all those different you know dichotomies whatever the way it the way it shakes out has different skills and then transferable skills between each thing um and there's so much more to hunting and fishing than just like killing animals right and i think that's the problem right is that a lot of people think oh you like to hunt you like to fish you are into like killing animals and i think that that is unfortunately true in the sense that yes uh, at the end of hunting and fishing unless you're catch and release or doing some kind of like humane trapping i don't know what else i guess you could like shoot a deer with a paintball gun and it just runs away and you could be like, I hit, I don't know, I guess, I guess there's like humane where you don't kill the animal hunting cap, like just like netting something, like just like grabbing it like Steve Irwin. I don't know. Anyway, um, yes, there are, there's death involved. There's a weird thing, but it's also like tapping into this really primal, uh, essentially like you know, evolutionary wise, still a big part of us. And it's tapping into that where, because like, since we've had refrigeration and agriculture, even, even you can go far back as that, but basically since we didn't necessarily have to hunt for all of our food, slowly, but surely the population that actually does the killing slowly dwindled down to like farmers and, you know, um, whatever butchers and stuff and the people who are actually like processing meat meat packers or whatever you call them um it's slowly dwindled down to basically those are the people that handle all the death and the fucking chopping up bods and like doling it out and then we just go to the store and grab our our meat that's nicely packaged clean relatively speaking um you know, has very little semblance of actually ever being like the alive animal that it once was. And I think that that, that huge disconnect is what, is what really puts us in, puts us in this weird, uh, 
this weird perspective against hunting and fishing, I think, is that it's, we've lost that experience and then because we don't know about it and it's unknown, we cast dispersions, right? And we go, oh, we, we, um, we, we deconstructed so much down to its essence that we go, oh, you're just killing animals. But the bigger picture is without some of these hunters doing their thing, you have, you're basically talking about population control in a lot of these species for hunting, right? You know, fishing, maybe there's certain invasive species for sure. Um, but like hunting, it actually helps the environment. It helps like there's a natural culling as they call it of these animals where they're taking them out where, you know, if, if all of a sudden we, we truly completely stopped hunting, all of a sudden we'd have all these extra deer, we'd have all these extra animals that are out there and the, the, the predators that eat them could never keep up. And then you have all this, this huge population control issue that like they're eating up all the vegetation or like whatever it might be. And another thing too, is that that whole idea of like just going to the grocery store and being so disconnected from the food you eat, like maybe there's something like not wrong with that, but maybe we're missing out with actually going and like killing a fucking deer butchering it yourself or at least like having a major part in like the the processing of the meat seeing it getting your like experiencing that whole thing it becomes a little bit more of this kind of holistic thing right and i think that you know as again evolutionary wise or even like you know not too far back in human history we had to do this we had to go and hunt and maybe it didn't happen all the time but when it did happen you know you you took pride in it and you respected the animal. And that's the other thing is that people think it's like this major disrespect, right? Like even just like capturing an animal. So I was up at B-Rise, I was up at B-Rise uh, place this weekend. He's got a little bush out back and we were like looking out how you actually like bring animals in. And the real, a really cool thing that, that we talked about, and this is, <clears throat> this is from the Steve Ranella podcast, Meat Eater, which is a phenomenal podcast, also a very good show. And uh, I think an excellent resource, especially for people who are starting to kind of like get more into this or trying to understand, you know, how um, how hunting works or, you know, or just like the other parts of like conservatorship or whatever you call it, conservationship. I don't know what it is. Again, I'm one of these laymen that, that benefit from this show. But... One of the cool things that that Steve Ranella talked about is that, <clears throat> you know, the idea is like, oh, I'm going to go, I want to hunt deer. So in this bush that Bira has, it's in Leamington, Ontario, rural area where there's lots of farmland, but then there's these bush, these like little, like, you know, few acre bushes, trees, shrubberies that, that crop up, which a lot attracts animals because it's a place to hide, food, what have you. So you have to kind of like bait the area to encourage more deer to come in and encourage them to stay as well, right? Because usually you're like hanging out in a tree, in like a tree stand or you're like camouflaged somehow and you're going to try and blast one of these things. So when you're encouraging them to come in, you, you think in your head, oh, I need to bait for a deer. I need to put out the bait that a deer will eat and the deer will come and then I'll see the, but the problem is 
unless the rest of that kind of ecosystem makes sense to the deer too. Like these things are animals in the wild. Even, you know, no, I won't say it. I was going to say people in the wild too, but no. Animals in the wild are so much more in tune with their environment than, than, than we as humans, right? We're so distracted by so many different things, let alone our own social structure. We don't really, we've, we've lost a lot of, which I think we probably still have latent somewhere in, in our bodies, but um, we, we've kind of fallen out of tune with nature in that sense. But um, animals, obviously, in the wild, living in the wild, born and dying out there are so much more in tune with that environment than we could ever be. And when they're when a deer's walking in this bush and noticing there's not much else that should naturally be in this environment, it's going to get skittish. It's probably going to take off at the first little twig it hears. Snap of a twig. The first thing it hears, it's going to bolt. The idea is you start at the base kind of level of the ecosystem and you work your way up. So if you want, you know, if you eventually want to get deer, you have to start with bees, right? So when you start with bees and you cultivate some bees and put put a hive out or, or encourage a an area where where bees are going to want to come, flowers, whatever the fuck, the bees will start to come. Then the birds will start to come to eat the bees. And then other predators will come to eat the birds. And then other predators will come to eat those, those, you know, predators that are eating the birds. And you have this, this uh, ecosystem that builds. And there's all these different other things that, that, that come from that. And the food that's required to to sustain these other animals and these other, these other prey animals, it starts to build even in this small, you know, five acre wood kind of thing. Right. And that slowly will become essentially like a sanctuary. And these animals will, will be encouraged to come and check this place out. And Beera is going to shoot one probably of them. And if there's 20, I don't know how many that could ever live in this thing. But if there's, um, you know, however thousands of deer that exist, in the, in the area, if there's a couple in this wood, he's not going to shoot all of them. He can't shoot all of them. And he shouldn't because it's wasteful, but he's going to shoot enough that it's going to be enough for him to, like, eat. And, you know, you don't really want to, like, just, you know, you want to have fresh meat too, right, in a sense. So you don't want to just be constantly stacking meat, stacking meat. Uh, I digress. But that is that whole other part where you're actually encouraging an ecosystem and you're you're creating an environment not taking away so much you've you've added so much more more to the environment and the ecosystem only to to yes remove something and take something out and end a life that probably this is the other thing about hunting specifically when you kill an animal Hopefully you're shooting it with a with a with some type of weapon, whether it's a bow and arrow, crossbow, a rifle. If you hit the animal in the right spot, where you were planning to, if you've practiced with that weapon and you've and you you know what you're doing, you're gonna you're gonna kill that animal in the most humane, easiest, less pain. Like there's not gonna be any pain if you do it right for the animal. They're gonna die instantly. You're gonna shoot them in the heart, you're gonna shoot them in the lungs, you're gonna shoot them in an area that completely kills them. Or at least within seconds. Most likely, naturally speaking, if an animal is gonna die of natural causes, those natural causes are 
just starving to death eventually, just getting too old that you can't take care of yourself if you're lucky to make it there. And if you aren't, you've been eaten alive by some other animal, like a bobcat, if you're a deer, or God knows what else for other animals. So, of course, these are all the thoughts that come up. Um, and, and, you know, fishing too, fishing's a weird thing, right? Like I, I grew up fishing, never bothered me. Not that hunting bothers me, but there's something about in, again, my, my buddy B-Rai has, can attest to the, the fact that he's trying to get me out. And it's not that I don't want to. I'm of course hesitant and mainly because I feel as much as all those things I just said, I feel that once I actually get to the moment where I kill the animal, I'll be overwhelmed by that feeling in the sense that there's a thing called buck fever. I don't know if it's necessarily before, during, or after you killing the animal, but there's a thing, there's a feeling, and from what I gather, (coughs) this is an adrenaline rush, and that adrenaline rush, you know, shakes and all this stuff, and there's all these feelings and interesting kind of chemicals and hormones that are that are released in the body and i believe like weird like oxytocin and like other strange like chemicals that you maybe not wouldn't expect again maybe i should have looked into this a little bit more but buck fever check it out and you're like shaking all this stuff and i feel like that feeling again is like it's not guilt it's not regret but it could be perceived as such because one time me and my boys, including B-Rye, and, my, and our other buddy, Polly, shout out Polly, were shooting guns out in his back 40. And just like shooting skeet, like just clay pigeons. Tons of fun, loved it. I loved the target practice, tons of fun. But there happened to be an errant squirrel in the area, which there's tons and they're pests and they fuck with my buddy Polly's shit. So he was like, go ahead, shoot one. So I fucking lined one up and I shot it and I happened to like hit it in the head and like I like split its wig. I like peeled its fucking head back, which is greasy. And it didn't make me feel any good. But did I not feel good because it was a senseless kill? It meant nothing. I didn't eat it. I, it was just fucking chilling. Um, <clears throat> but if I end up killing like a deer and I got to go look at it in its soulful little eyes and be like, oh my God. I've I've taken the plucked this thing off the earth for no other reason than that I want to eat it, which I could easily just go to the store and eat a cow or a chicken that's already been killed. But in probably a much less humane fucking fashion. There's another thing. Talk about fucking grocery stores and all that shit. Goddamn factory farming and and like that that like you know that mill, that fucking death mill that exists that is, you know these giant crazy meat processing plants and like that's hard to reconcile too right so like what is it do you want to go out and you want to do it yourself take take the onus and say i'm going to remove this animal from the planet because i want to eat it for my own fucking sustenance and depending on how you look at it maybe the animal was put here to be eaten by something whether that be a bobcat whether that be a fucking wolf or whether that be a human. Um, why not you, essentially? <clears throat> and what? Yeah, why can't I essentially reconcile those those things, right? And take the onus and put yourself in the situation where 
you're responsible now for that for that animal's life and and you need to pay respect to the animal in the sense by like consuming it wholly right because i don't know it's an interesting thought like this is this is now getting way out of it in the sense that if if this animal was put on earth to essentially be eaten you are you are completing its life cycle completely and you are essentially removing it in 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 the nicest fashion you, you possibly can if you do it right and you do it properly <coughs> excuse me and are you actually doing a service to the animal and the in the environment and all this stuff by by doing that and killing it and not putting a burden on these on these farming factory farming scenarios and having having to have all these this crazy scenarios where you're killing all these animals like think about it like if you went out and killed a deer once a year you had all this deer to eat and then maybe you'd go and supplement it with a little bit of beef here and there just to mix things up just to make it a little sausage whatever you want to do we wouldn't have such a burden on the system. And yeah, maybe if everyone started hunting their own thing, we'd have another fucking problem on our hands where there's no no deer. But there's probably not everyone's going to hunt. And there's lots of vegetarian people out there. And that's okay. But if more people start to hunt, at least, we can start to take a little bit of uh, pressure off off the rest of the, of, of the uh, industry. Plus, food security is fucking crazy these days. Like... Yes, you have to pay for the gear and you have to get out there and you have to drive and get a gun and all this stuff. I'm sure really it's only like a, a you know, upfront cost, so to speak. You only have to buy one gun. You don't have to buy one thing as long as you keep you keep good care of your stuff. Like you don't need to have a bunch of shit all the time. But it's, you know, well, hopefully as long as the animal exists, you know you're going to get it. And then you can you can squirrel it away as long as you have a little bit of a freezer action. So, again, I can see the thing and I understand, you know, you're ending a life. And it's interesting because, like, obviously, for some reason, you know, well, not for some reason, but for the fact that we can build homes and society and talk and think and have opposable thumbs and all these fucking shits. We think we're better than a lot of these animals that are out there. And that's the weird part about it. Because if we, because I don't think that's necessarily true. You know, I obviously value human life and I value humans over, over animals in that sense because I am one and I'm, uh, you know, I'm a teammate. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, is that if we are really equal and we're part of this animal kingdom, we're part of this earth and we're part of this planet, we're part of the solar system, the universe, whatever, why do I think that I can just decide to end someone's existence? And maybe that's a narrow-minded view of what existence is, because maybe it really only exists on this plant on this plane, and these animals only live for a couple years anyway, so they have a very distorted view of what time is compared to what we are to to what we are. But again, I feel like there's a there's almost an egotism behind it. This is just my own. This is only my personal feeling. It's not necess- It's not a critique on anybody at all. But I, for me, I feel like I need to enter this realm of, oh, I am I can do this. I'm allowed to. But the ideas should be flipped. That you're part of this, you're part of this world. And again, you're 
treating the animal with the utmost respect in that sense where where you are but again see i flip-flop i flip-flop i flip-flop to this idea that there's a hubris involved with hunting and being like i'm gonna just go kill this thing because i can but when you when you enter into the mindset of again you're doing it to help the uh ecosystem you're providing a a a death that the animal would never experience otherwise again you're actually potentially doing a good thing which is a really you know it's a really really interesting thought and you know god bless everybody and uh, you know everyone who does it good for them do the do your thing um but I think I just need to try it. Like I, this other thing, I need to fucking try it. I need to go and actually do it so I know because it's an unknown, but I can actually go and figure it out. And then hopefully me and B-Rai can take a trip up to Red Lake and do it up there because that'd be fucking sick. They have tons of fucking hunting, cool shit, really interesting stuff out there. So the trip's coming. Watch out, Red Lake. Big Mark and B-Rai are coming at you hot. Anyway, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thought. Check. You know, let me know in the comments what you think. Start a discussion amongst yourselves. I want to hear what everyone thinks. I want to hear, you know, I know we have listeners all over the world. So let me know what, what happens in your country too. Like, I don't know. Canada, the great white north is a very different, maybe a different scenario than your country. But that's what I got to say about that. Anyway, thank you all for listening so much. I uh, hope this sparked some interest, at least, in checking it out and learning a little bit more about uh, about uh, hunting and fishing and outdoorsmanship and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Check us out. Instagram, Twitter, Big Mark Podcast, Big Mark Pod. DM us that there. If you ever want to reach out in any way, please do. Like and subscribe uh, if you're watching on YouTube. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're wherever you're listening, give us a five star review. I know it sounds like a bit, but please, we love it. It means a lot to us. But thank you so much. As long as you thought it was five star, that is. <laughs> but again, thank you so much. Please spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell everyone you know. If you're interested in this in this kind of stuff, check out the other episodes. And again, I want to spread the community. I want to spread knowledge. I want to spread the love. Thank you so much. Have your pace, have your uh, MNR, or have your fishing license ready for when the MNR comes around. Go get it. It's easy. And have your pets spayed and neutered. I don't know. That's what Bob Barker says. Peace. Peace.